I love this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer my life as a ransom for many. This is the God that we choose to serve. And so our value here at Zoe is that serving is our identity. Listen, serving is not about obligation. It's about reflection. If you want to be more like Jesus, you'll never look more like him, feel more like him, sound more like him than when you're putting your hands to service. Amen. Uh, I'm excited. We're going to jump into some scripture right here. Let me give you some context. Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to go verses 1 through 8. If you haven't read your Bible, it's a big chunk, so you're going to get it in right now. But let me give you some context, okay? There's this guy named Moses, and Moses, he's an all-star, hall of famer, right? He goes down in the book as an all-time guy. But right now, this is like his origin story. We're just getting to know this guy named Moses, right? He's been living in the wilderness because um, he murdered someone and ran away which I don't, maybe you shouldn't murder people. That's not a good thing. But we have Moses who grew up in the Egyptian courts. He was royalty. And when he saw his people being mistreated, he stood up for them. And he murdered their assailants. And he ran away full of shame, full of guilt. And as he's in the middle of the desert, this is years, decades later, all of a sudden he encounters God. And God begins to unpack for him vision and purpose in destiny and for the first time he begins to instruct Moses hey Moses I want to use you so you can serve me and rescue your people and this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 4 is Moses hears all this stuff and he begins to doubt his ability to serve God let's jump in Exodus chapter 4 and it says this Moses answered what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. That is the proper response. If you ever see a snake on the ground, the proper response is to run from it. That's terrifying. If you stay, there's something weird. There's something wrong with you. So he throws his staff on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in, into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It was sick. It was, it was gross. It was falling apart, and it had become as white as snow. Verse 7, now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. In verse 8, it says, Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And maybe I'm reading this scripture and you're like, Nate, we're talking about uh, snakes, sickness, and blood. This is crazy. What what am I listening to? I promise you, we're going to unpack here in a really practical, in a really tangible way, how God is asking us to serve him. And if you're taking notes, you can write down the title of today's message. It's called Practice What You Preach. Practice What You Preach. 
And if you want, like in, in like little parentheses, you can write down, commit to what you confess. Commit to what you confess. Amen. Come on, today I believe that God's going to teach us. He's going to instruct us, just like he did Moses here, how we can practice what we preach, how we can serve him in a way that honors him, and we can serve him in a way that honors each other. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace in your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you chose to serve us before we ever chose to serve you. I thank you that you thought of us even before the invention of the earth and the universe. You had us in mind. So God, I ask that right now you'd speak to us that you'd stir us up, that you'd give us a word that we could run with and walk with. God, I ask that you'd transform us from the inside out, and that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Real quick poll, just right there in the chats. How many of you remember doing something for the very first time without any practice? Right? How many of you, you've done it for the first time without any practice, how difficult it was, how awkward it was? Let me give you an example, okay? How many of you remember coming to church for the very first time? I'm not talking about online, you know, where you can be like a keyboard warrior and no one knows you. You can say whatever you want. I'm talking like when you walk into church for the first time in your life, it's weird, right? You come to Zoe and you're like, is this a concert or is this church? There's haze, but not too much haze. Like is something on fire in the back. I'm not sure what's going on. People are screaming. Hands are being raised. I don't know where, which level of hand raising i should ricky what do i do with my hands ricky bobby like well, i don't know what to do it's weird it's awkward there's like their, their their own christianese language the first time is always the first time trying something is always more difficult because you've never practiced it i remember uh when my wife uh when she was pregnant with our first son river and she she texts me and she says uh, i think i'm going into labor and i'd never experienced this this is the first time i experienced this I had a panic attack. I'm not kidding. Like my, I couldn't feel my hands. I couldn't feel my feet. My wife walked into our bedroom, and I was, she said I was just staring at a wall. I was frozen. She called Pastor Julia, and Pastor Julia had to walk me through breathing exercises. Because like the first time, I didn't know what to do. I was, it, was, it, was, it was hard. It was difficult. What about this? Do you remember how weird it was, how awkward it was, your first date? Your first date. Okay, this is embarrassing. My first date... I had my mom drive me to pick her up uh, in our white Kia Sedona. And I said, Mom, uh, as soon as we pull up, I've made a CD. And as soon as we get back into the car, you need to have this playing. And it was uh, Mario. You should let me love you. Let me be. Okay. That's not where the worst part gets. She drops us, she drops us off at the mall. And this is pre-cell phones, so we have quarters, so we could call, you know, on the pay phones uh, when we needed to get picked up. And I take her to the movies, and there was a movie playing that, you know, was all over the places on, on the billboards. It had the best ratings. Everyone was talking about it, how, how incredible it was. And so I took this girl. This is before I'd ever been to church, okay? I had no context. I had no idea. And so I took this girl to go to a movie, got the popcorn, got the larger soda, just one but there's two straws. And um, we go and sit down. You know, the previews go. I'm a big previews guy. I love previews. The previews go through, and the movie starts. And this is the first time I watched Passion of the Christ. And <laughs> there wasn't a second date. And I cried through the whole thing. And uh, that's, how, that's my testimony. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> there's no way God was doing something in my life at that moment. I was mortified. I was terrified. 
But I don't know about you, trying something for the first time without any practice seems intimidating, it seems scary, it seems terrifying. And here we have Moses, who's been running away from God's calling on his life, who's been in sin, who's messed up over and over, and all of a sudden God is asking him to serve him in a huge way. He had no clue what he was doing. See, but the problem is, with a lot of us, is that we want the appearance of doing good without actually doing good. We want to strive to look good instead of serve to do good. But here's the problem, is that striving always ends in exhaustion, and serving always ends in celebration, amen? Striving is your own ability, serving is unto God, it's actually his ability at work in your life. Look at striving will change the way that people look at you, serving will change the way that you look at yourself. Striving will dig a grave of exhaustion and burnout. I love this. Serving will plant a seed of legacy for your future. Striving is limited by your potential. Serving, oh, come on. Serving is unlimited in God's promise. Striving ends at me and serving ends at God. So you can strive and you can have the appearance of doing good, but unless you actually serve unto God, it will never end in real deal life change and transformation. I love Zoe because when uh, the world shut down, Zoe stayed open. And we said, we're not just going to say we like to serve. We are going to be about it, right? We're going to be about serving. So we opened the doors and we made drive throughs and we packed uh, meals and we went to people's houses because we weren't about the appearance of looking good. We wanted to serve and actually do good. Let me give you a few things just right now. Three quick things that you have on you right now that you can serve God with. Uh, three C's, your conscience, your confession, and your commitment. The way you think, the way you talk, and what you commit your hands to. Look, serving doesn't start with your hands. Serving starts with your thoughts. We don't serve because we want to be holier than thou or because we're better than someone else or it puffs us up to feel like we have done our good deed for the day. But it starts with your thinking that says, because Jesus served me by going up on the cross and dying for me when I didn't deserve it, I'm going to extend serving to other people around me. I love this about serving. Serving actually lowers you beneath someone. It doesn't lift you above them. A servant isn't greater than your master. So when you choose to serve, you're saying, I'm lifting this person above my needs and above my ways and above my convenience. Serving starts in your conscience. And then serving starts in your confession. The way you talk, your attitude, the way you confess how good God is. Right, a value preached but not, or a value practiced but not preached, you're leaving something on the table. I want to let people know this is my value so we can share in this thing together. Because if a value honors God, then all of us should share in that value, amen? And ultimately, the last C, it goes to your conscience, it goes to your confession, and then it goes to your commitment. You can serve God right now by committing right now to serve him. I love this. Commitment isn't a Zoe cares thing. It's not like on Saturdays we just commit to serve and we, and we hand out meals to people. A commitment to serve is to say every day I'm going to choose to wake up 
humble myself before God and put others before myself. Amen. So here we go. We're going to jump in. I'm going to give you uh, these things from Moses's story. These three things. I just gave you three things. Here's three more things to look at that you have right now to serve God with. Write down number one. Look at what's in your hand. Look at what's in your hand, uh, your hands. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I misplace things. And uh, my wife hates that I misplace my keys in my wallet. Like I still, I don't carry a wallet now because I know I'll lose my wallet. I just leave it like on a top shelf. And when I need to travel, I'll, I'll go and grab it. But have you ever been like frantically late somewhere? And you have everything lined up, ready to go, except for you don't know where your keys are. And so you start looking everywhere. Look, when you are really frantic, you start looking anywhere and everywhere. Like, I'm opening up the toilet bowl because I have two kids that could be in there. I'm opening up the freezer. I'm opening up the refrigerator. I'm going through I'm drawers. The keys could be anywhere. I don't know about you. Sometimes I've had this happen where after I look everywhere, I turn over every stone, I realize the keys are in my hands the whole time or my glasses, right? I remember one time I wake up and I'm looking for my glasses and I step off the bed, crunch. I step on my glasses because I thought I was looking in the wrong place. I didn't realize I had them with me the whole time. Isn't it so weird? The things that we're most familiar with some things that should be the most obvious are so easy, the things that we miss out on. And God's saying, I want to use what's in your hands, what you currently possess to teach you how to serve. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, and I love this. Verse 2, it says this. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses is like, okay, God, if I'm going to serve you, how am I going to do it? I love this. Moses asked God a question. God doesn't give him an answer. He gives him a question back. Like, you have to be a boss to answer a question with a question. So he says, okay, Moses, what's in your hand? I mean, he said, a staff. Now, if you didn't know this, Moses, uh, a little character development for you, Moses was a shepherd. And so he would have this staff in his hand. It would literally be the most familiar item that he had. He would not go anywhere without his staff. Without a staff, he couldn't uh, corral his sheep. He couldn't correct his sheep. He couldn't be a proper shepherd. This staff was with him wherever he went. I love this. He says, okay, he, a staff, he, he replied. And the Lord said, well, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. I wonder what you have in your possession right now that you think God couldn't use or you don't realize that in your hand it's ordinary, but in God's hands it becomes extraordinary. It becomes supernatural. It becomes something bigger than you could ever imagine. If you're anything like me, sometimes I get terrified of what God's called me to. And I love this. Moses, he asked for the miracle. And so he throws the staff on the ground. It becomes a snake, and he runs from it. Moses runs from the miracle that God provides him. I wonder if some of us, we're not afraid that God won't show up. We're afraid that if he does show up, an actual miracle will occur, and we'll have to be responsible to live up to the miracle that God has for us. Because I promise you, if you begin to ask God right now to do something with what you have, woo, he's going to make it extraordinary. He's going to make it powerful. He's going to make it supernatural. Everyone else says, that's just a stick. You show up at the party, it becomes a snake, and everyone's losing their minds. 
What do you have in your possession? I love this. Moses runs away and God says, hey, Moses, actually come back here. Grab it by the tail and it will become a staff again. He begins to teach Moses how to use what's in his hands to serve him. Imagine he just turns it into a snake and he's like, okay, good luck. Like it would just slither away. The miracle is gone. I want to promise you, maybe some of you, your dreams, the calling that God's placed on your life, you feel like it's dead and gone. And God's saying, I turned it into a snake once. I I did the miracle once. I can do it again. I wonder what you have in your possession right now. Maybe it's a phone. I think all of us have phones. You're probably watching on a device right now. In your hands, it's a texting device. In your hands, it's a streaming device. In your hands, it's a scrolling device. But what about in God's hands? All of a sudden, your phone becomes a place of evangelism. Your phone becomes a place of love. Your your phone becomes a place of grace, of mercy. A text message is not just a text anymore. It's a prayer. All of a sudden, your phone becomes a conduit that God can use to bring people freedom, to bring people joy, to bring people love, to bring people excitement. What can God do with the phone? We have access to the world. And so often we get caught up scrolling on TikTok. I'm not saying that you should go on TikTok and make weird Christian videos. But what I am saying is that you have something right now that when you leave this message, you can send an encouraging text to someone. You can call someone, FaceTime someone. You have something in your hand. What about this? You possess an ear, don't you? You want to serve someone? Sometimes the greatest way you can serve someone is to lean in with an ear and Listen. Come on, God's given us two ears and one mouth. That means we should listen twice as much as we talk. I wonder what else you can serve with. You can serve with a prayer. Maybe you have someone in your life, you have no idea how to talk to them, how to serve them. Serve them in your prayer life. Just take it to God every morning, every night. Just begin to pray for them. Begin to ask God to do a work in their life. What about this? You can serve God with an attitude. I love this. Your attitude, right? Uh, maybe when, next time you walk into work, just make it a point. I'm going to smile. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to be agreeable. I'm going to be charming because I represent God inside of me. In your attitude, you can serve God. What about this, a dollar? You can serve God with a dollar. That's less than a latte these days, right? You can serve God with a dollar. <laughs> I used to be uh, scared to give money to panhandlers because I used to judge prejudge the result of where my serving would go. And I remember thinking one time, I wonder what would happen if Jesus withheld his grace because he knew what I'd do with it down the line. And let me encourage you, God isn't asking you to be the judge. He's asking you to be the one that's generous. We don't have to prejudge where the generosity goes. We don't have to prejudge where serving goes. We can trust God that his outcome is a holy one. Amen. God wants to use what's in your hands. Like this, point number two, God wants to use what's in your heart. Look at what's in your heart. (coughs) Excuse me. Look at what's in your heart. And we're going to go back to Exodus. We're going to look back into uh, Moses' story. And let me just say this. Look at what's in your heart. I'm not telling you to like, you know, reflect and go within and look at your inner self. Like, you ever notice every Disney movie has a reflection scene where they look into the water and they see themselves and all of a sudden they splash the water. Like, that's not me. That's the old me. 
this is who I am. Now, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Please understand. We're not having one of those moments. But what I am saying is that God wants to take your past heartache and use it to save your future. Use it to save the people around you in their future. He wants to take your pain and make it a platform. He wants us to look into our hearts. So the first one, God says, what's in your hand? The next one, he says, look at what's in your heart. And we're going to go uh, back to Exodus chapter 4, and it says this. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside of your cloak. So Moses put his hand in, into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. Now, context. Context is key. Context matters, right? So we would know back then that if he was going to put his hand into his cloak, he would not put his left hand into his cloak because his left hand was uh, would be deemed a hand of dishonor. You did um, hy- hygienic. You did you did things. You you use this hand to. You wouldn't put your left hand anywhere near your cloak, okay? Or eat with your left hand. So he'd put his right hand into his cloak and take it out, and it was leprous. I think the imagery of the Bible is, is so good. The symbol of this is a symbol of the state of Moses' heart. That right here at this moment, his heart is sick. His heart is wicked. His heart is full of regret and remorse. He used to live one way, and all of a sudden, he's running away from God. And God is so good. He doesn't stop there. He says, okay, now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his body, like the rest of his flesh. This is how good God is, that your heart... It could be sick, it could be wicked, you could be full of sin, you could want nothing to do with God, and in one moment, just like that, God could take a wicked heart, heal it, and make it whole again. This is how good God is. Is He said, I'll take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you a brand new spirit to worship me with. All of a sudden, here's Moses, and his heart is put out in the open. I don't know about you, 2020 was not the beginning of my heartache. 2020 just revealed where my heart was already at. The brokenness in my heart. The doubt in my heart. The excuses in my heart. The shortcomings in my heart. 2020 didn't cause those things. It just revealed what was already there. But I love this about God. God would never find me one way and leave me a different way. He might find me sick, but he leaves me whole. And God wants to take your pain. And God wants to take your past hurts, your trauma, your trials, and your tribulation. He wants to use your past pain for your present platform. You know, the the Bible actually has a word for this. Maybe you've heard it. It's called testimony. God wants to use your testimony. I want to give you a really simple, really easy way. Maybe you didn't even know you had a testimony or how to ever even say what your testimony is. Let me give you the elevator pitch, the, the quick 30-second testimony builder, okay? Testimony template, okay? It's really simple. It's going to come up on your screen, but it's this easy. I used to blank, but Jesus saved me and gave me blank. I used to blank, fill it in. It's not just blank. I used to blank, but Jesus saved me and gave me blank. I used to be lost, but Jesus saved me and gave me a purpose. I used to be depressed, but Jesus saved me and gave me joy. 
Come on, I used to be afraid, but Jesus saved me and gave me courage. I used to be broken, but Jesus saved me and gave me wholeness. Come on, right there in the chats, right there in the comments, begin to type in, begin to fill out what your testimony is. I used to be... I used to be consumed with lack, but I met Jesus. He saved me and he gave me contentment. Come on, I used to begin to fill it in. I used to be so terrified of the plans that I have, but I met Jesus. He saved me and he gave me promises that were far better than any of my plans. Come on, what is your testimony? Your testimony is your weapon. Your testimony is your tool. Your testimony is an everyday reminder that though I was one way, though I was saved, I've met God, I met Jesus, and now I live a life full of his grace, full of his mercy, full of his goodness. I wake up every morning thanking God. I used to be insecure, but now I have an identity in Jesus. I'm not who I used to be, and God's making me even more into his image every day. What is your testimony? God wants to use your heart. Look, if, if, if the tricks don't work, if the miracles don't work, if your phone doesn't work, if you're not sure how to serve God, you can serve God with your testimony. Come on, even now, maybe you have a journal. You just begin to write it in. I used to dot, dot, dot. But Jesus saved me, and he gave me a new life. I used to be addicted, but Jesus saved me, and now he gave me freedom. Jesus wants to use what's in your heart, not just to save you from your past, but to save the people around them and protect their futures. Come on, I love this last one. Look to your salvation. Point number three, and the keys can come up. Look to your salvation. See, here's Moses, and he has no idea how to serve God. And to be honest with you, I don't always know how to serve God either. Some days I, I, I wake up and I just, I don't feel like I'm in the position where I'm qualified to serve. Some days I wake up and this is before coffee and I'm like, I don't know if I want to pray right now. I don't know if I want to read the Bible today. You know, it'd be really easy for me just to be consumed with myself and my needs but every time I look at my salvation, I'm reminded, if God did this for me, if Jesus went out of his way to serve me, then it's not just my responsibility to serve others. It's my privilege to do so. It is who I am. I'm defined by what Jesus did for me. And his serving Forces, it leads me, it guides me, it pushes me to serve others, serve my family, serve my wife, serve my kids, serve my coworkers, serve my friends, serve those who will show up in my future that I haven't even met yet because I'm keeping myself away from certain things. And he tells Moses, Moses, if they don't listen to the staff, if they're weirded out by, by the leprosy, then do this, go to the Nile River, fill up this bucket. And when you go to the Nile River, you'll pick up water, you'll take it to the dry land, and when you dump it out, it will become blood. Go back to the Nile. Now remember, Moses was supposed to be killed as a baby. If you haven't watched Prince of Egypt, if you haven't read the story, Moses 
as a child, as a baby, was supposed to be killed, but instead his mom put him in a wicker basket and he, she pushed him down the Nile River where he would wash up at the palace and Pharaoh's daughter would pick him up as her own. The Nile represents Moses' salvation. God's saying to Moses, go back to your salvation and bring your salvation to the place where there is no living water. Take your salvation to the place where there is no salvation. And let me tell you right now that this river, this Nile, it's just a picture, it's just a foreshadow, it's just a symbol that Jesus is the living water, that Jesus is the river of life, that Jesus is our salvation, that when we jump onto Jesus, he will take us to places that we can never go on our own. He's telling us to go back to our salvation and to bring our salvation to those who don't have it. How can we serve each other? We can pack meals, we can send funds, we can pray for people. The greatest way you can serve your neighbor is to bring them salvation, is to point them to Jesus, is to bring to them what Jesus brought to you. I think this is so good because he takes his bucket, he goes to the water, then he takes it and he pours it out and it becomes blood. Now again, context is important. If, it, if there's no context, the blood part, it'd be weird. We're talking about vampires. We're not talking about that. Okay, it's weird without context. But what the blood would symbolify is that something had to be sacrificed in order for a way to be made. That penance had to be had that because there was sin, someone had to pay the price. And for you and I, for those of us who love Jesus, he is our living water. But as soon as we pour out living water to someone who's never met Jesus, it becomes his blood. And the blood of Jesus is the most potent and powerful resource in all the universe. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us, that saves us, that redeems us. Now when we say the blood of Jesus, we're not talking about a blood donor. We're talking about when Jesus chose to serve you and I. When he looked at our sin and he said, the only way that your sin can be paid for is if I gave my life for you. Jesus lived a, per a perfect, purposeful, blameless life so that he could go up on a cross and take your place and so when we go to Jesus all of a sudden we begin to be filled up with living water how do you do that prayer worship connect groups you begin to fill yourself up Jesus would you fill me Jesus would you fulfill me would you satisfy me church this does this for us and then we take what God's given us and we take it to places that have never encountered God before who've never heard of his love, never heard of his grace. Maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's your family. Maybe for the first time you're hearing about this guy named Jesus. And for the first time you wanna receive this salvation that we're talking about. Let me encourage you, we're not being saved just from hell. We're being saved so we can walk out and accomplish everything God has for you. A life with Jesus. I used to think if I'm a Christian, then it's gonna be boring. It's gonna be so um, full of rituals and it'll be weird, but 
As soon as I said yes to Jesus, my life took on risk and adventure and excitement. And I never knew what was going to happen next because every day God was obsessed with proving to me how much he loved me. So wherever you are, 